0: hello everybody this is david from ifloat we are here for the ifloat radio podcast once again welcome everybody I'm here with Linda Castro and she is an iFloater. She comes here a lot. Thank you, Linda, for being here today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: And we're here with Donovan from The Bigger Picture. He is helping us, as usual, do the podcast today. So thanks, Donovan, for being here. (laughs) So Linda, how did you first hear about iFloat?
1: A friend of my daughter's um, had told her about it. She had done it with her mother. And um, because of the pain issues I have and everything, my daughter thought she would get me a Groupon that you guys had put on, on the Groupon site. And I did it twice and loved it. And that's, I've been coming ever since.
0: What has it been like for you? Why is it, why is it you love iFlow?
1: It helps me with the pain. It helps me sleep. Um, it, it helps me work out problems while I'm there. And I have a hard time meditating, and this just kind of leads me right into the meditation. You can't help but meditate. With the sensory deprivation, you can't do anything else but think.
0: We were talking just a few minutes ago about something that I had forgotten about, but can you tell the audience about uh, what we were discussing in terms of uncomfortable floats and the time that you had the uncomfortable float?
1: I I was... I kept, I had the feeling, every time I tried to relax, I had the feeling that I was going to like flip over backwards, almost like if it was a free fall. And um, I kept having to hold on because I thought, I was, obviously, I wasn't going to flip over. I was just floating. But I kept feeling that. And um, when I came out, you, I was talking to you about it, and you were telling me how sometimes when there's something that's out of, that we feel like we're losing control of or yeah, that we feel that we're losing control of, that we don't have um, complete control of, that we, that's how, maybe sometimes that's how it manifests. And I started thinking, I thought, there's nothing in my life like that. And I started thinking, and of course there was that's always the yeah. case right
0: but initially we don't think that we think everything is fine because it's normal to us right. and that's one of the beauties of floating because floating ejects us from what is normal mm. it takes us out of our normal points of reference mm-hmm. and puts us into a place where we're going to see reflections of what's what's going on within and i remember it was the same thing for me i may have said this in the last podcast i certainly said it in my my mm. blog this past month but i remember when i first started floating there were times when i would experience resistance or frustration and I thought to myself well I'm a pretty calm calm guy but then when I would float sometimes I'd see places where I wasn't as calm right Right. <laughs> and so it would surprise me that that was there
1: this was sort of like that except for I mean it wasn't anything crazy but it was something that was that I didn't have totally control of in my life
0: I, I agree it's not so much a crazy thing and that's something I often talk to people about that floating is not really dramatic because mm-hmm. people's lives are not really dramatic. Our lives Most are pretty much day-to-day trying to do this and that. But what happens is there are like almost bricks on the road that get a little loose, <laughs> or sometimes there's a brick missing. So the road overall is is fine, but there are bricks missing or things that are a little bit out of place. But that can generate places sources of frustration. And so the floating helps people to kind of see, oh, okay, I could just adjust that brick a little bit and And continue on the yellow brick road, so it, to speak.
1: And that's the thing about floating is that sometimes you don't even know it's there. You yeah. don't even know that that brick is missing, so to speak. you know And um, it, it, when you do when you're thinking in your sensory deprivation that you can't help but think, it, it it kind of comes out. It all just comes out.
0: Talk a little bit more about that. You can't help but think. Can you explain that a little bit because some of the people listening may never have floated before.
1: Well, when I first went in there, i'm I'm terribly afraid of the dark. So I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. But I got in there and I thought, okay, I'm sitting there with the light on and thinking, okay, this is not working. And um, I thought, well, I mean, really, what can happen to me in here? It's just me. There's nobody else around. Right. So I went ahead and turned off a light, just an experiment to see if I could do it. And there was nothing. And it was great. And it, like I said, with the sensory deprivation, you it got to a point where it's almost like you're, I don't know how to describe it, almost like you're in the womb. Because all you can hear is whatever rumbling is on inside in your stomach, and sometimes even your heartbeat. And when you get to that point, just these thoughts just start coming. It's just rambling thoughts. I don't really th- try to think of anything. It's just thoughts that come into my head. It's almost like this, um, like something. It's just rambling. Yeah. You know, one thought comes and it leaves, and another that comes in. I don't know where they're coming from, but they just do.
0: There was somebody last night who floated for the second time, t- two weeks in a row, and she was saying how she kept trying to quiet her mind, she kept trying not to think of anything. Mm. And I said, No, 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 no! Don't, don't try to do that. Try not to force yourself to do anything. I told her that that metaphor that I often use is that floating is could be thought of as like. Uh, being in a building that's going down underground you're taking an elevator down and you go to the 10 floors underneath and the door opens and it's just looking to see what's going on taking going down to 20 more flights and opening up the door just to see what's going on in my mind or another way of looking at it is just kind of strapping in and going on the ride and allowing the mind to do what it is that it wants mm-hmm. to do because the thoughts that are coming forth, or coming forth, usually for a reason. Sometimes they're just kind of simple processing of what happened yesterday, but sometimes they're also like deeper things of like, wow, I never thought I could even think of this person in my life in this way that I'm thinking of them.
1: Right. I mean, sometimes I get in there and I'm just... Okay, how am I going to decorate this room? And I'm just doing just, you know, stupid things, really. You know, how am I? What am I going to put this piece of furniture or whatever? What, how, what color am I going to paint the room? Which are really stupid things. But Although, then, hey, colors are the important. Sudden, but then, all of a sudden, a thought will come in that's a little bit more, it's a little bit deeper. I don't know where it comes from. It just does. It just kind of slips in there, and that's what I'm saying. It's just kind of rambling. It's like your mind is just kind of going without any. It's not like instruction. It's not something that you have to really think about. It's just it just does. If yeah. you're just quiet and just think about nothing. Just i I found if you if you if you think about your breathing, just kind of concentrate on your breathing. You know, you breathe in, you breathe out, you breathe in, you breathe out. if you just concentrate on that, the thoughts start coming. Yeah. Instead yeah. of trying to think of something.
0: Exactly. It's it's so you much know? of it's so much of letting go. Mm-hmm. Now, how has it impacted you physically? Because that's one of the, the components of why you came. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I have a very difficult time sleeping because of pain issues. Um,
0: and where did the pain issues start? I think that's just <clears throat> interesting. Yes.
1: Um, I, Eleven years ago, I fell at home, just fell the wrong way, fell, passed out, fell flat on my face, my neck jerked back the discs moved, and the spurs that were on the discs bit into my spinal cord, and so, you know, thankfully, I'm not paralyzed. I don't have any paralysis, any even weakness, but I do have a lot of pain issues that stem from that. That's where it started, and it's never gone away. What they told me is that the first four to six months, it would either get better or not, and then after that, you kind of kind of you're like on a plateau, and it just goes very, very slowly, but to the point where I haven't even noticed a difference between you know, 11 years and now. You know, so I do have a very difficult time sleeping, and um, when I float, I find that the next two to three days, I sleep pretty well. I, I, do, I, I don't sleep like I normally used to sleep, but I do sleep longer and deeper within, like I said, two or three days afterwards. And how does that affect
0: you? Like having just the improved sleep, how does how does that affect everything? Affects everything. Affects
1: everything. If you have sleep deprivation, you you don't think like you should. You don't um, you don't function. I don't function without sleep. I've never have been able to function without sleep, and and it's hard to to um, just to go through day by day, day you know, day after day after day without the sleep, and um, it's just hard to even put thoughts together sometimes. When, yep. you're, when you're, de- you know, sleep deprived, you know? And, and, and when I have those two or three days that I sleep well, it's like I, I'm very productive the next few days, which is great. Mm. It's wonderful. You know, I've been, I've been for years, <clears throat> I've got the story in my head. It's partially, I mean, it stems from family, you know, uh, family history. It's just kind of loosely based on it. But, um, you know, my whole family's always been telling me, write a novel. You know, um, my brother-in-law works for a television company in Mexico that do the telenovelas. You know, he said, write it down. You never know. I can, you
0: could You could you know, be know, the next telenovela. Write. Who
1: knows, you know. And I've always kind of put it on a back Linda burner. Linda C. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I put it on a back burner. But since I've been coming here, little by little, I've started writing it. It's, it's kind of opened my mind to expand on the story. That's great. You know, so it's great. It's great. It's, the creativity is coming little by little.
0: So one of the things that we often do or that I like to do with folks who come here because we consider Eiffel to be a community place so we Mm -hmm. often talk about just like our lives and stuff. You have a really interesting life. Can you talk about your connection to Mexico a little bit?
1: Um, Well, my mother was born there. My father's from New York. Um, My father went to study in Mexico, met my mother, got married, that's how I came to be obviously. Um, I was born there, moved to Florida when I was two. Then... Through a cousin met my husband, and now, well, my cousin was married to one of the brothers. She's divorced now, but my sister and I both are married to, to these brothers. A huge family, huge, huge family. We're from a family of three. They're ten siblings, and all the cousins have, at the minimum, are like, I think, eight in any, every one of their families. So, you know, family you get together is a huge, mm. huge, huge, huge. It's great. It's great. It's great.
0: Now, so you so you were mostly raised in the United States, but yes. your husband was mostly raised nope. in Mexico. Born and right? raised in Mexico City. So, so mm-hmm. you are largely American, essentially, and he's, right. he's right. Mexican. So, you um, have come together almost like uh, two cultures in a way. Absolutely. Uh, and and you lived in Florida. and Now you live up here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. right? I've lived all over,
1: yeah. I and mean, I started out in Florida, then lived in Mexico, then went back to Florida, then to, to California, then Florida, now up here. I'm kind of all
0: over. One of the things we were talking about this morning was what's happening right now in Mexico is yes. uh, two large storms. There is a hurricane and a tropical storm or two mm-hmm. hurricanes essentially coming up through the coast and uh, so one of the things that Linda and I were talking about was um, the uh, how it's affecting your family yes. and you said that your family has been affected uh, down in Ocapulco.
1: Yes. My sister and her husband have a vacation home there in Condo. Mm-hmm. and uh, one of the other families do too and um, two of the families were there and Basically, the the area where they have the condos, that area was very, very affected. And another area that uh, is very, very poor, they had some mudslides. And unfortunately, those people are now displaced. They're not, you know, they're in shelters and have lost everything, which is really sad because of the people that don't have anything.
0: Yeah, that's that's what we were talking about earlier was how this area was hit pretty hard Mm -hmm. by the hurricane last year. People, uh, especially in like... Milford and Fairfield mm-hmm. Westport was hit pretty hard, but not as hard as as those towns right. but you made a good point, which is that most of the people who were affected who live by the water uh, have means uh, not all to of a them, certain extent to a certain extent mm-hmm. compared to people maybe living in the um the hills of parts of Mexico that right. may have um, very almost the small almost villages nothing. Yeah. they're
1: almost um almost i mean not quite but almost dirt floors and you know very very poor neighborhoods yeah you know, tin roofs. It's really sad. It is really, really sad.
0: Yeah. Well, our thoughts are are with them and and with your family. Thank you. One of the things that I think is really interesting to talk to you about is, is this whole idea of like culture and race. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of discussions about that. Can you talk a little bit about like, you grew up down south, and we've spoken a little bit about your perceptions of race and change. The change of those perceptions over time can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about like how you've seen that when you were young compared to today
1: when i was very very young i really didn't see anything because i didn't know the difference between black and white you know between races between religions you really don't have that you're very young and innocent but as i started to grow older um, i started realizing that there were still places unbelievable that it would be in this day you know anybody would actually that's living have gone through this but um there were still a lot of places where you had um the the, the clearly marked the the colored so they didn't say black it was the colored um bathrooms and the white or the colored drinking fountains and the, the white or the colored entrances to certain restaurants that have to go through the back you know and sit in certain areas and um just recently there was the movie the butler I went to see it, it was very, to me, it really hit me because um, I lived through all of those things. You know, the sit-in at Woolworth where the kids were just sitting there doing nothing and, you know, white people were beating up on them. When I was in junior high school was when they decided to integrate the South. So they took part of the white school and part of the black school, put them in buses and changed the schools. I went through all the rioting, um,
0: was that what was that like for you?
1: For me, I really didn't care because I'm I have never had a prejudice bone in my body, you know. But I actually had a very good friend that was black, and you know, kids. I mean, we were kids, and um, whenever we really wanted to get out of school, we'd kind of start arguing, and next thing you know, there's a huge riot. Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> and we're like,
1: oh good, we're out. <laughs> School's letting out. Yay! There you go. <laughs> you that's know?
0: like that's like I was uh, at a restaurant I go to a lot uh, last night in between, uh, on a break here, and, and it was a beautiful day. So I said, oh, it's a beautiful day. He's like, yeah, it's a really beautiful day. I wouldn't mind if you called in, like, a, a bomb scare, you know, so, <laughs> so we could go home early. Right, that's kind of <laughs> right? that's it's kinda a, like that. It's kind of like that, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it was bad. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was not, it wasn't fun to live through that, you know. Um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to see that. It's hard to see all of the, um, the people fighting. It's hard to see the, the anger, the anger on both sides, you know, um, I see a lot of people in the South, even today, um, say things like, oh, come on, get over it. I mean, we were not slaves. We weren't the slave owners, you know. And yeah, that was quite a while ago, and maybe most of the people today have not lived through that. Um, it, maybe some of the grandparents that are quite a bit older have, but most, uh, on the whole, most of the people on earth have not lived through that. But you know, people, especially up here in the north, that you don't have as the as much of the prejudice. I'm talking about the black and white, because you do have in other areas. But um, um, if you lived in the south, you can clearly see that, and you can see it now.
0: What are some of the other areas that you notice the prejudice in this area or in the northeast?
1: Um, there's, um, you know, there's not a lot, but there's still there's still some. Um, Religious, you know, there's still some bumping heads with religions. There's still um, the whole issue with, um, with well, there's not so much here in Connecticut because the issue with the gay marriage and all that is not, it, we're really advanced up here. But there's still some areas that still have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people that have, I, I think more my generation. I'm in my 50s, so, you know, mo- mostly my generation is still hard to accept things like that
0: no what, and so what was it like what have you done as a parent so you have two children right yes. you have a, 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 boy, a, and a girl. boy and a girl and um, what was it like in terms of raising them
1: mm-hmm.
0: with those kinds of the values that you you wanted to raise them and can you talk a little bit about that because we've spoken um, about that a bit in terms of just like how you see in terms of them choosing because they're getting of age now where they're right. seeking potential partners right. like life partners husbands mm-hmm. wives and uh how does this whole experience that you've had with seeing the prejudice and what it can do how does that influence just in terms of like you raising them and who they choose to be in their life and so forth.
1: Well, I've always tried to tell them that it doesn't matter what religion, what color, what um, where they're from, um, you know, what nationality. I mean, what nationality? Because a lot of people get that confused—the race and the nationality—which is really a pet peeve of mine. Because you know, there's not very, there's just only a few races. There's only four races. Yeah. You know, a lot of people add other things in there, like the Hispanic thing. If you're Hispanic, you're, uh, there's a race there. It, it's not a race. Hispanic is, you know, where you're from, uh, whether you're from any one of the Hispanic countries, you know. But it's not your race. You can be black or Indian or white and still be Hispanic, you know. But anyway, that's yeah, know, that's it's like that's, an ethnicity that or right. Yeah, cultural, right. Yeah. right? That's a whole other thing. Um, but with, uh, talking about my kids, um, I, I've always told them it doesn't matter who they are. It matters more what they represent who they are in the inside, you know, um, are they hardworking? Um, do they have the same, um, basic morals that you do? Um, that's what's important more than anything else. That's what's important. Mm -hmm. I think the two things that are the most difficult to, 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 mix are religions only because not because I'm against it. As a matter of fact, my daughter is, we're Catholic. My daughter's dating a Jewish boy, you know, but, um, and that's fine with me. Um, I just think that once they, if they ever get to the point of having kids, that's where it becomes difficult. I don't think when you're young, you see that.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like, what would be some of the difficulties of having raising a ch- children of different religions? I would think that it becomes difficult if both of them are really passionate about their right, religion. Right. Otherwise it might not be as but, difficult. No,
1: because but. then you just choose one or the other. But I still think that even if you're both passionate, you, you have to sit down and talk, and you have to decide how you're going to raise them before you have the kids. Because once you have the kids, that's too late to have the fight, you know, or the discussion. Talk about it before. Um, you, I feel that you need to choose, whether it be, in my daughter's case, whether it be the Catholic or the Jewish, you have to choose one or the other. Because I have seen, a, not a lot, but I've seen a few families where they were raised, well, let's do it all. Let's teach them everything. And yes, all religions are basically the same. We all believe in basically the same things, but there are some differences and it can confuse children when they're young. When they're older, they can choose, you know, but when they're young, it can be confusing.
0: Yeah. And I think I could see the point of that because I was raised Catholic. We recently joined a congregational church after moving to Mm -hmm. Connecticut. And one of the reasons we didn't join a Catholic church was because uh, we're a gay couple and they don't particularly accept. The no. church doesn't, the people right. do. But, right, the church so, doesn't. But I was raised in a Catholic church and, and now we're in a congregational church. And I think to me, one of the big benefits of a religious practice is community. Mm-hmm. And so if people are have multiple interests, it can be difficult for the kids to have a sense of belonging Right. if they're not quite... Family isn't quite committed to a particular uh, place that they visit right. and so forth. It's obviously to me it doesn't matter what people do, uh, and I have friends who are raised in multiple things. But mm-hmm. I, I can see I can see your point. In, in well, that it's, regard. it's like
1: my daughter. Actually, my daughter is the one that, that put this clearly. I mean, when, when she and her boy, when she and her boyfriend were talking, um, <clears throat> the, the the thing is that there's an age that's so conflicting anyway when you're a young teen. I mean, as it is, everything is huge. Everything's a big problem. Everything is dramatic. If you don't have something to hold on to, because your parents are your enemies, then, you know, at, at that age, there's, your parents are there. Yeah. Well, your parents are there to make your life miserable at that age. You know, I mean, at least that's what they think, right? So at that age, if you don't have something to really hold on to to ground you, <clears throat> and not that she was particularly rigid, religious at that age, but there's still that thing in the back of your mind. You know, when you were raised with a, with with a religious background, there's she had something to hold on to, something to anchor her.
0: Well, you also forgot. I you know? mean, you had a really powerful weapon because if it was Catholic, you could always just use the the, the Catholic guilt to get her in oh, line. Yes, of course. Yeah, you know <laughs> I mean, so it's like there are all these there are all these wonderful weapons when it comes oh, yes. to. It's like bam! It's like look at that. <laughs> uh, you're right.
1: No, no, no. But I've never really been in that. Not time, that you would that ever time. do that.
0: You would never do that. But you know, just as as a as a person mm-hmm. raised in that way, we we always have to you know look at the full spectrum of these <clears> things. <laughs>
1: I think basically, most mostly when you're when you're raising kids, it's the example.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the
1: example that you set. It doesn't matter what how much you tell. You can tell your kids, "Don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke," but you're smoking a pack a day. <laughs> okay. You know, and it's like your children are going to look at you and they're going to laugh. You know, and they're going to do it.
0: Now, you know, putting this back into like what we do here at iFlow, mm-hmm. which is helping people to slow yeah. down and look within, right? Bringing it back to this whole idea of like race and even religion mm-hmm. and so forth. If somebody, if somebody was maybe struggling with um, relationships with, with other people in terms of their prejudice and so mm-hmm. forth, how do you think that floating might affect them or influence hmm. them?
1: Hmm. I hadn't thought of that.
0: Hmm. Has That's floating, in your experience, I know we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but has it influenced you in any way of taking on different ideas about things or considering different points of view?
1: I actually hadn't thought about that, but um, I guess it could. You know, like I said, you've got these random thoughts and and, and if you you let your mind wander and you've got these problems in your life, I don't know how to explain it. Um, It does help you resolve them. I I, I don't know how to explain that though. Um,
0: One of the things that I noticed, and I wrote this in my blog a few weeks ago, it was in my reflections on the float conference. But what mm-hmm. I was thinking was that what if more politicians floated? Mm. What if there was a float center on Capitol Hill? And people actually went into float tanks and spent an hour floating before they went into these meetings. Because what I see in terms of watching politicians discuss, much of what they're arguing about is not the actual issue at hand. And generally, a lot of what people are arguing about has nothing to do with the people outside of their own mind. They're arguing about, like, they're frustrated about things within themselves. And that really gets in the way of progress. And so when it comes to people saying, well... I don't you know like you because you're a Democrat or you're a mm-hmm. Republican or this and that it doesn't really have anything to do with it when When people slow down, they get to this place where they stop looking at dichotomies they stop looking at like i'm you and 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 uh sorry I'm me and you're you and and I'm Catholic and you're Jewish or whatever. Right. They start to get to this place of understanding that there's a connection uh between them and other people because they're right. not so emotional about it. Well, and if so, you take
1: everything away, if you take all of everything, you take your color, your race, your I mean, your you take your religion, you take your everything away. We're all just the same. I mean, really, we're just basically the same. And if you start thinking about it, if politicians could think that way, um I don't know. There'd just be a lot more peace in the world <laughs> because they would be able to put walk in somebody's shoes. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, you 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 leave all that behind and you you're able to open your mind and walk in that other person's shoes.
0: Exactly. Or you even know? even bringing it back to what's happening in Mexico in terms mm-hmm. of the, the devastation, to be able to slow down enough to consider what's happening to other people. Mm-hmm. To be able to slow down enough because what happens in a lot of our lives is we get caught up caught up in the day-to-day, we get caught up in getting to work, the traffic, the grocery store, the the to-do lists. And all of that is really important for us to have our life. Mm -hmm. But to be able to spend some time in the darkness, just quiet with oneself, allows people to really expand their understanding to something that's maybe bigger than them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not necessarily doing something particularly for what's happening in Mexico. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's just being able to consider that the way things, the way they see things may not be the way things have to be. So if, for example, someone's son or daughter comes home and says, I'm going to get married to somebody who is maybe really different, Mm -hmm. then that person in that moment might be able to at least consider that possibility. Right. And when it comes to dealing with things like, uh, giving aid to countries that are experiencing a lot of problems and so forth. That a politician or somebody who's in control of that money may be in a slower state of mind, or more creative state of mind, where they could step outside of their prejudice and step outside of the me versus you, Democrat, Republican, all that. Absolutely. And just focus on the objective and getting things done. Because one of the things I appreciate about you and when I speak with you is that my sense is, is that you're really focused on community and family mm-hmm. and you're really focused on keeping your family together and having open communication with, with your kids. So Absolutely. there's, there's this constant objective of a family. Mm-hmm. And like, it seems that that's partly why you came here too is that so you could enhance your, your body, reduce your pain levels so that right. you could, you could be there and, I think that floating helps people realign on the important objectives as opposed to the uh, right, right. unimportant ones. What you
1: said about the communication, <clears throat> going back to the kids, that's the, what's the, really so important for parents. And if there's a fine line between the discipline and the communication, I mean, just, just going back to what the kid, just you reminded me right now of that, um, is there is a fine line because there's a lot of parents that want to be their kids' friends. Uh, you, can't be, you can't You can't. You're always a parent. Always a parent. Doesn't matter how old that child gets. You're a parent. You can be their friend when they get older, and um, but still you're still will always be their parent. It is a fine line though because there's a, there's you there, there's a certain amount of information that you can give your kids when they're young, <clears throat> without I'm talking about your own life, without sounding like it's okay that you did these things. An example. Someone took drugs when they were young. When a child is 15, 16 years old, you don't want to tell your child you did that because it's almost saying, you know, it's okay to experiment. I turned out okay. You don't want them to experiment when they're young because they can't deal with it. Really, their minds are too young. Yeah, you know? and,
0: and so it's, it's like getting in this place of like, okay, I may have done that. I don't necessarily want to condone it or tell the kids I did it, but I also don't want to be a hypocrite right. and say that people who do that are bad or evil or whatever. You want mm-hmm. to kind of be in this kind of... Um, clear place of saying you know i don't think it's a good thing to do but if i exactly. do it i'm not going to punish i'm not going to be yeah exactly that's the
1: communication that's and, that, that, comes and that
0: gets communicated without even saying a word absolutely that's how a person walks and talks in the world mm-hmm. of being like you know i've been to these places and this is how i see the world now and this is what i think but i've been to some places i've I've done this and that, and and, and I ex, I accept what who I am and what I've done, mm-hmm. and and I accept other people what they've done, even though I may or may not agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a parent, right, this right, is my right, job. right,
1: right, right. And, and, and as you get, you know, beyond that, when you're going back to the politicians, it's the same thing. I mean, if you, um, well, not the same thing. I'm, I'm thinking of something it's a else. Similar, it's, it's similar, a similar thing. but it's similar. It's similar. I mean, I mean, obviously not exactly the same, but it's the communication. Again, we go back to communication. If politicians communicated better, they'd be able to walk in the other person's shoes better, uh, easier. And forgot all, If they forgot all of their prejudice, they forget all their prejudice, they forget all, everything they went through when they were growing up, because that all sticks with us through our whole lives. But if they forget all of that and they can be able to walk in the other person's shoes, and that comes down to communication with the other person, yeah. with the other side, you know, President Obama with Syria. I mean... It, they have to have communication in order to save all these people.
0: Yeah, and you know? in, in order for Obama to communicate with people in Syria, he really has to resolve any prejudice he would have within himself towards, for example, uh, Muslims.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just, just as if, an if example. If there's anything there. Yeah. If there's mm-hmm. anything there. But the, the other interesting thing is that one of the things that we, we also teach classes here at iFlo and what I see floating doing is it helps make the mind more pliable and more flexible. Absolutely. In the sense that one may have had prejudices early in life, But if they can slow down to the point at which they can begin to adjust them, they can begin to Mm -hmm. adjust their prejudice towards, for example, themselves. If somebody made a mistake when they were young, they still could be locked into that and say, I'm a bad person for having done this thing. Well, that means that they then transmit that to everybody. So Mm -hmm. they're judging every person who's made a similar mistake to them.
1: Whether they try to or not, they (laughs) are doing it. Yeah,
0: it's Mm -hmm. unconscious. Mm -hmm. So for them to be able to slow down and say, okay, let me just be at peace with what I've done. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be at peace with what other people have done. Then they can actually give people a hand through it right? as opposed to just So they can all them.
1: resolve all of that by floating. They can all resolve everything. These, all these little issues. They would be better politicians.
0: And, and we get people who come here who are new parents, some of whom start floating or even taking our classes. There's a guy recently who told me that. He said, I'm here. I want to really look at myself because I have a newborn.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't
0: really want to be unknowingly transmitting things that are uh, disadvantageous to my child. Right. So I want to really begin to like crack into what's going on for me so I can just be slowing down and adjusting it so that I'm, I'm more uh, available to, to my new daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's really important. And that's one of the things that we often talk about when Linda comes is, is, is uh, how she raises her kids and communication and so forth, because it's like so essential.
1: Oh, uh, <sighs> Absolutely. I mean, right now, my kids are 24 and 27. So the line of communication is very open between us now. I mean, my kids pretty much know everything that's gone on in my life. You know, even the small things I made wasn't this great rebellious kid or anything, you know, but we all have things that we, we've done
0: that's part of that we're not human. proud of,
1: you know, um, but they know all of that. And, and, and now you can show, show them the human side of you, you know, as opposed to the super mother, you know, side. You know, you don't. You're not all of a sudden this, this, um, this thing that they have up on a pedestal. You know, that that's just this pure, untouchable, um, it, perfect thing. Yeah, you know?
0: which is very dehumanizing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's just not there. It's not true. You one,
0: know, one of my friends today emailed me about how he said honesty strips away rules Mm -hmm. in the sense that there really there are certain ways of being with other people such as respect and so forth but when we're really honest with ourselves rules really kind of they they disintegrate because when we're really honest what was appropriate the day before may not be appropriate today because of the situation and the factors and Mm -hmm. so forth so it always requires this level of honesty and that's one of the things that um that slowing down helps people to do because they have no choices. You talked about early on is that we're going to, one is just with themselves and, and the flow tank and there's not, it's not easy to push away the things that are bothering us. No. We can just kind of be like, oh,
1: you can't push away the things that are bothering you.
0: you <laughs> not can. in there. Not
1: in, in there, there you can't. Yeah. And it's good. It's good that you can't because it, you know, unlike um maybe a therapy session with, with a psychologist or, any kind of therapist, Um, you can say what you want them. I mean, the psychologist can only treat what you tell him. So you can tell the psychologist whatever you want, you know, and you can paint this perfect picture of yourself or not, you know. Um, A lot of people go to psychiatrists and they think, oh, it's not working well because they're not really being truthful, you know. And in the tank, you have to be truthful. You know, there's really, you don't have another choice. I mean, you're just... You're there with all your thoughts.
0: Yeah, it's like it's... You can't escape it. It really is like strapping in and just taking the elevator down. And Mm -hmm. and at times, like a person can float, like we were talking earlier about how a person could float like lots of times and it's Mm -hmm. very peaceful, it's very blissful. But things might start to change in a person's life. For example, someone may get sick, someone may pass away. There, Mm -hmm. There could be factors that start to shift in a person's life. And then other things get revealed such as like, oh, you know my relationship with this person its now coming to a head because we have to interact more because of these other situations. Right. And then there could be discomfort. So then a person will will really have to face that uh, when they float. And I was talking to somebody last night, actually at pretty great length, about, about that because there were times when his float sessions were uncomfortable. And I kept trying to help him see, like, that's a really good thing if you Absolutely. were uncomfortable like mentally because it means that you were addressing places where you were agitated about things in your life. And um, he, 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 I think he, he mostly under, understood that. But, uh, but the thing is, is that life really has its ups and downs. Ups and downs and all arounds and everything in right, between. Right. And when, when things are good, that's great. And, and when they're not, that's okay too. But just slowing down helps us to navigate, navigate right. all of that.
1: So. And hopefully that didn't scare this person off. The person yeah. we were talking about. Because a lot of times people are afraid of that. You know, hopefully he will come back because the more he comes back, the more he can resolve whatever issue it is that he has.
0: The easier it gets. It,
1: it gets easier. It does get easier. I
0: joke with people that floating is like CrossFit for the mind. So we, there, may, there may be people who, who are listening to this that do CrossFit. That's like the new thing. It's like mm-hmm. really, it's really intense physical workout. And, and floating isn't, isn't intense in the sense that it's exhausting like that. Mm-hmm. But it can at times surprise a person in terms of like, oh, I didn't realize. And even the act of letting go to relax is a huge journey for people to actually yes. allow themselves to slow down requires a lot of effort to to, to adjust their mind and actually stop clenching their their hands and their necks and so forth. So it's uh, so that's the new thing. But floating is CrossFit for the mind. But
1: that's the good thing about the floating is that you 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 um you have to eventually let go. You have to eventually relax because of the sensory deprivation. That's the good yeah, you thing. You have about no it. choice. You the, don't the, have a choice.
0: The float chamber always wins.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And
0: that's a good thing. <laughs> you that's will that's a, lose if you float, you will that's lose. A, that's a great thing. <laughs> but that's then you win. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. a lose win situation.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I wish more people did it. I really do. I really do. More. I wish more people did it. I wish you, it was. I mean, I know there's a lot of float centers all over the United States, but I wish there were more. Mm. You know, I know there's so many people that could benefit from this.
0: Absolutely, there, you know. there could be. It's, it's one of those things. I'm working on a book about slowing down, the power of slowing down, because it's, there's such a, such a, a great um, power to, to beginning to slow down. It's mm-hmm. just the, the insights that come forward, the, the ability to enhance one's life and relationships are, are pretty big. So as, you, as you've been seeing, mm-hmm. Linda, come, you pretty much come here about twice a month, I think, mm-hmm. at this point. Right now I'm going to
1: be coming twice a month, yes. Yeah. You know, but it's it's nice. It's it's good. Like I said, I wish more people did it. Uh, life is so fast-paced everywhere. You know, everything's. You know, you move from one thing to the next. It's just it's nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do in your life. Everything is nonstop. You know, and this does help you to stop.
0: We we and think, it, and it'll probably continue to speed up. But what we want to be able to do is to be fast, like in those martial arts movies, like. Mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We want to be able to like move really fast, but be like totally slow in our mind, mm-hmm. so that like when things are spinning around us, like we're totally zen and we're just moving really fast and getting things done, and mm-hmm. and, and that's what that's what floating could, floating could also take people to that place. So Absolutely, floating is the modern Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm coming up with all these <laughs> great marketing <laughs> yes. uh, marketing things, but uh, but yeah, no, for for sure, that's that's definitely the case, and we'll we'll hold that vision of, of eventually getting a float. Tank in, in the White House perhaps someday that would be, wouldn't that be that wonderful would be cool having, having the president uh, before float. they
1: go into Congress and before they do any of their decision making they go they all float
0: and then they're all like all mellow and, and they'll, oh, be able to, yes. they'll be able to call everybody. people on, on, on their BS right, when, yeah, when somebody's right. like sending off this this goofy communication that other people are, are not paying attention to the president could say you know why are you, why are you doing that and they can mm-hmm. be like what do you mean and start to actually focus people on uh, what's important, as opposed it's very to very
1: important things. There's so many important things out there, and they, people are just focused on stupid things.
0: Yeah, you know, on, like on, Miley on, Cyrus or something. Well,
1: <laughs> don't even get me started with that. <laughs> <laughs> don't even get me started with that one. <laughs> I mean, this poor people, child. There's people, no guidance in her life. I mean, it's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is. an interesting or or thing to to discuss. But but there are also other things to discuss too, and uh, as well. So it's it's about balancing it mm-hmm. with. Uh, that stuff. So. you
1: know, it's like watching the news every night. I cry almost every night with the world news. Mm-hmm. But like my husband said, we have to watch it. We have to be aware of what's going on.
0: It, it is. It is important.
1: It's really sad. Really sad. But we have to be aware of those things, not just them. You know, the gossip of the Miley Cyrus and all that. We have to be aware of what's going on in the world.
0: Right, and, and not be paralyzed by it. That's the other thing that I think is really important. Something I think people gain from floating is that it's okay that things are crumbling in other places. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay in the sense that we can't let it get us down and, and we, or we become paralyzed. Well, it's, we out, of to, it's out of our control. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like we cannot control what's happening in Mexico or Syria, but we can influence and we mm-hmm. can be aware and we can be... Influencing the people around us in whatever way we we want. So. And
1: if you want to help, there's a lot of things that you can do right here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, there's so many things that you can reach out to people right here. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize. That. I mean, there's so much hunger with kids. I mean, the whole campaign with with the um with um no no child go hungry or I don't no kid go hungry. I don't remember exactly the slogan, but 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 there's so many kids that are starving in a country that's this rich that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. should not be happening, you know. But there's a lot of organizations that you can reach out and and, and help with that.
0: Yeah, so instead of being paralyzed by the news, do something about it. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what Yogi Bhajan used to say. Mm-hmm. He's the Kundalini yoga guy. He he's the, His quotes are on yogi tea. Yes. Um, and so my yoga teacher used to say a common mm-hmm. one, which was when the pressure is on, act, and the pressure will be off. That's true. So when somebody so is true. like, oh, I'm so paralyzed by the news, it's like, well, you know... There are some hungry kids over in, you know, whatever town. In Bridgeport. In Bridgeport, for example. Not right
1: next door, but there's You can, there's can a lot walk of kids. over
0: and, right. you know, help out these organizations and stuff. So, so those folks listening, can right. you, know, you can do that. And wherever it is that you live, if you're paralyzed, act and the pressure will be mm-hmm. off.
1: And there's so many ways that you can help, like I said. Like yeah. just, uh, people be, need to be more involved with the things here that we have right in front of our noses. Yeah. You know?
0: In whatever way it's appropriate to them. You right. Know? right, right, right. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Linda, for for being on the, on the podcast and helping to spread the word. The purpose for those folks listening, the purpose of the podcast is really to to help people understand who's floating and, and mm-hmm. what floating does for different people. And for my own personal interest, uh, there are so many fascinating people like Linda who come through iFloat, Float, and I want other people to have the pleasure of your company uh, through oh, well, you. through the through this podcast. So thanks a lot.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun.
0: And uh, we'll see you iFloat radio podcasters at the next podcast. Thank you and have a great day.